my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted
of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth.
And I simply come Longing just to pray Something that's a word That will bless your
Good morning to you. It is so good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, especially want to say uh, welcome to those of you who are our, our very special guests. We thank you for coming and, and worshiping with us today. I hope that whenever you came in, uh, you picked up a bulletin or were handed a bulletin as you made your way inside. Uh, there's just a lot of very important things that are, that are coming up. Uh, in the next several weeks, uh, we need to make sure that you are aware of. So please make sure you read your bulletin. Uh, just uh, reminding our 2022-2023 uh, personnel team that we are meeting this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Uh, I hope that you will plan to be here. Uh, we're going to meet in the Young at Heart uh, Connect Group Room, which is over in the uh, fellowship building, fellowship hall building. So uh, please plan to be there at 5 o'clock if at all possible. All the other announcements are there in the bulletin for you. Each one extremely, extremely important. Um, if, if your team has not had an opportunity to get together yet, but you have a line item in the budget, we're going to need some budget requests coming up. So please go ahead and, and take care of that by the end of this month. Again, thank you for being here today. It's good to see you. I'm going to take a moment to lead us in prayer, and then uh, we will jump right into our time of worship together. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, a day that has been set aside for the body of Christ to come together together.
and to celebrate who you are. You are the God of all creation. You are uh, the sustainer of life, the giver of life. We thank you that, Lord Jesus, you are our Savior, our Messiah, that you are our Deliverer, and today we come to celebrate who you are. We thank you that you have given us this place and this time to come together. And Lord, we know that there are many in our church, there's many in our community that are hurting and struggling, those who are uh, dealing with illnesses, others who are grieving the loss of loved ones. And Lord, we just lift all of these, these cares up to you this morning, knowing that you already know all about them, and that you are intimately aware of every need that is in this community and in this church. And Lord, today we, we lift these up to you. We pray, Lord, that as we go through our time of worship together, through our singing, through our study of your word, through our time of fellowship, that, Lord, we just pray that your, your presence would just overwhelm this place, that you, Lord, would, would stand among us, that we may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in the presence of our Creator. And we pray, O oh God, that as we do so, that you show us our true self. Lord, that you open our eyes where we may be blinded. Lord, that you give us understanding in those areas where we struggle to understand. That when we leave here today, that we will have been transformed. That we will have been made more into the image of our Savior Jesus than we were when we entered in. Have your perfect will, have your perfect way is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing about that victory that we have in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary Yeah. 
today. We ask you to bless us, lead us, guide and direct us. For we pray in the sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen.
Aren't you glad that our God is able? You know, I was uh, listening as we were singing that song and uh, just kind of thinking to myself, what a mess we would be in if the only ability God had was the ability we thought he had. Now, here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we will say with our lips, we believe God is able. But then in our actions and in our faith, we say something different. So I'm glad he's 
his ability far exceeds my understanding of his ability. Today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 3. As we continue to look at the series that we've entitled, Me to We. And what we're, what we're discussing and what we're looking at in Scripture throughout this series is how God doesn't want His born-again child to be a lone ranger, to try to do it on their own, to try to make things work on their own. That was never the intention that God had uh, for His children, for His church. He always intended for us to be a body. And a body is made up of many parts and of many members that are united together to serve together for the benefit of the body and especially the head of that body, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the church. Unfortunately, we live in a day and a time where so many people are trying to make their Christian life work and work out their Christian calling, but they're trying to do it isolated from the rest of the body of Christ. And they wonder why they struggle. They wonder why that they are ineffective in what they're trying to do. They, they can't quite understand why that they, they, are, they are trying so hard to pursue God's calling on their life, but they're not getting anywhere. And it's because so many times they've isolated themselves and they are not participating in the body of Christ. We are, we're talking about biblical community. It's when the body of Christ comes together. Now today I want us to look at what that looks like in practice. And we see a part of that in Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to read just verses 12 and 13 together this morning. So I hope that you'll follow along with me in your translation of scriptures. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's take just a moment to pray together. Father, again, thank you for your word that is living it is truth. We thank you, O oh God, that we can, we can study these words. We can allow these words, Lord, to, to govern and guide our lives, knowing that when we do that, we will always be found in your will. Because your word will never lead us astray. Your word will never deceive us. Your word will never take us in the wrong direction. So, Lord, today as we study your word, we pray that the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ, speak to our hearts and ingrain the, these words upon our life that when we walk out of here today, we will have been encountered by the word of God and changed by the word of God and that it is your word that will be alive in us. And I pray, God, that as your word is 
fulfilling its purpose this morning in our midst, that our hearts will be open toward you. That, Lord, we'll hear your voice, we'll feel your touch, we'll understand, Lord, those areas in our life where correction is needed. That, Lord, we'll we'll understand those areas in our life where encouragement is needed. And that we'll walk out of here, Lord, having been transformed. So may your word do its perfect work in our life today. Is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Biblical community, it's not a word we, or or words or phrase we talk about a lot, but it is a phrase that is, seems to be popular in today's theological circles and theological, theological arena. But biblical community is found when believers, born again, saved by grace, believers, live in harmony with one another. And they do so in order to strengthen each other and build the body of Christ and bring glory to the God who is the head of the church. Now let me put it just a little bit different way, if you don't mind, so that it's more in today's vernacular. We would put it this way. Biblical community is found when believers do life together. They do life together. They're not isolated. They're they're working in unison with one another to make the body of Christ stronger. And this not only takes place on Sunday mornings from 11 until uh, 12. It's not just a... Uh, an exercise that we participate in during the connect group hour together. It is, it is a seven day a week, 24 hour a day responsibility that we have as believers. In his, what's referred to as his high priestly prayer found in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying and here's, he, he begins to pray that his followers all those who place their faith and trust in Him, that His followers would live in community together. Part of that prayer reads like this in chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Jesus says, I'm not asking on behalf of these alone, talking about the disciples that are there with Him at that moment. I'm not asking for just these alone, but I'm also for those who believe in me through their word that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus, when he is praying in his high priestly prayer, prays for you and he prays for me. And here's what his prayer is for each of us today. That they be one together as the, the Son and the Father are one. And that we as one be in him just as Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ. He's talking about that intimacy, that unity, that coherency that only can be found in the body of Christ. It is that practice of 
of community that it, within the church and within the and within the, the the groups of churches and groups of believers among all of the followers of Jesus it is that practice of community that gives proof to the world around us that we truly are children of God now here's what i mean by that and and it doesn't matter what organization you may look into and how 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 good that organization may be or how much, uh, how much good they may do in the world, even within the very best of organizations in the world, there is conflict. Even in the very best. And here's what Jesus is praying. I don't want my body, my church, to be just another organization. I don't want it just to be another entity that's doing good in the world. I want my body to be one together, that they are united together in such a way that the world knows there is something different about the church from every other place. Because they are together. They may not always see eye to eye on every aspect, but even in the areas where they see differently, even in the areas where they think differently, even in the areas where they have different perspectives, they still love each other and work together as one. He says, when that happens, here's what the world around us is going to understand. Jesus really does make a difference. Because the difference between the body of Christ, the church... And any other organization in within the world, the difference is Jesus. He's the difference. It's not just a difference in motto or a difference in mission or a difference in, 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 in taglines. It's a difference that can only be made in Jesus. So what I want to do today is, is I want us to look at two primary ways that we can practice biblical community with other believers. The first thing I want us to notice is in chapter 3, verse 12. We read it again because the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So here's what we understand is that biblical community begins with the practice of personal accountability. It begins with personal accountability. There's a truth that I want to make sure you understand. It doesn't matter whether you have been a child of God and saved by grace for most of your life or whether this is a, a something recently that, that has transpired in your life. The truth is every one of us as believers, we're going to stand before God one day. Now, we will not have to give an account of our sin that has been paid for on the cross. It has been satisfied. The wrath of God against our sin has been satisfied by the blood of Jesus. It is taken care of. We will not have to answer for sin, but we still will have to answer. We will answer for our faithfulness as servants of God. Over and over again in Scripture, 
we find that theme, especially in the New Testament, as Jesus is talking about the master that leaves but gives to his servants certain talents to, to manage while he's gone. And then when he comes back, he holds them accountable for the talents that he gave them. He, he holds them accountable for their faithfulness. You and I will have to answer as children of God, born again, saved by grace. Thank God I won't have to answer for this, my sin. But I will have to answer for my service and my faithfulness. We have seen up to this point, it's been made repeatedly so far that we cannot live in unity with other followers of Jesus if we aren't living in unity with God first. We must first align our life with our Heavenly Father. We must first align our life with, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that guides us. We must first make sure that we are walking in step and in unity with God the Father. Because that's the first step to being unified with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the way we ensure that each one of us is in right relationship with God. When we are in right relationship with God, it makes it possible for us to live in right relationship with each other. That's the way we, we find ourselves in unity. We have to get right with God first. We have to make sure that we are in good standing with God, that we have not allowed sin to creep into our life and, and rob us of our fellowship with God. We can't fellowship with each other until we fellowship with God first. We have to practice personal accountability. It is your job, it is my job to protect our individual hearts from straying into disobedience. We must understand that the writer of Hebrews is talking to Jewish believers. And here is what this writer says. Take care, brethren. He's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to the pagan. He's not talking to the unregenerated and the unsaved. He's talking to you. And he's talking to me as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Born again. Saved by grace. He's talking to us. And he's saying... We need to beware, take care. Our job is to be alert. That, that, that phrase, take care, it means to be alert, to watch, to be keenly aware, to be on guard. But aware of what? On guard for what? Uh, to, to be alert to what? He answers that for us. Lest in any one of you be an evil, unbelieving heart. So how can that happen? How could that happen? I'm saved. How can I have an evil, unbelieving heart if I'm saved? I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm truly born again, how can I have that? You see, here's what he's telling us is that unconfessed sin can creep into our life. And as we allow it to stay there, and, and we're not taking accountability before God for our sin, we're not owning it, we're not confessing it, we're not, we're, we're not coming to Jesus with it and, and, and pleading His blood over it. When we just allow it to stay there, it begins to lead our hearts astray it begins to lure us away he's not talking about losing your salvation 
He's talking about us losing our fellowship, our oneness, our intimacy with God. Beware lest something creeps into your life that begins to to turn your heart more toward evil, more toward unbelieving, and you begin to fall away from the living God. You see, he's telling us that we're still vulnerable. Yes, we're saved by grace. Yes, we are, we are eternally saved and we cannot lose our salvation. But here's what he says. You can lose your fellowship. You can lose your fellowship with God. Our hearts will become cold when we allow that unconfessed sin in our life. Our, our hearts start growing cold toward the work of the Holy Spirit. And as our hearts begin to, to grow cool and cold toward the work of the Holy Spirit, we begin to draw back from God. When here's what he's saying to us, I want you to come to me with repentance. I want you to be drawn to me in, in that heart with, that's broken over your sinfulness and that unfaithfulness. I want your heart to be drawn to me so that we can be reunited in that forgiveness. If, if, here's what the Bible says. If we confess our sin, talking about believers now, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the heart and the desire of God. He wants our, He doesn't want the unity that we have with Him to be broken. That's personal accountability. Baptists like to call this backsliding. That's what we call it. Backsliding. Now, I, I don't know where that term came from. I, I really don't, but I don't have a problem acknowledging that it sounds good. And, and I guess technically we can call it as such. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 saying, but, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. He says, there's going to, listen, there's, there, there's coming a time, and we are in such a time when even the believers who know truth will begin to fall away from the faith. There's a, there's a passage of Scripture that talks about believers that are embarrassed at the return of Christ. Why would a believer be embarrassed when Jesus returns? Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we're all looking forward to? It's for the return of Christ and, 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 and the end of, of, of this age where evil runs amok and destroys lives and, and destroys families and, and tears hearts apart and lives apart and marriages apart. Isn't that what we want? Why would we be embarrassed? Because we were found. Lacking fellowship with God when Jesus returns. We'll have to stand before him one day. And wouldn't it be sad for us to do so. Knowing that we've been unfaithful to the very one who gave his life for us. The very one who purchased on our behalf the entrance into heaven. 
the one who by his very life and blood and through his death gave to each of us an opportunity to escape the eternal horrors of hell. And then one day we have to stand before him embarrassed because we allowed our heart to fall away. We, become, we became unfaithful in our practice of accountability. You see, folks, we live in an age now where people tell you you're not accountable to anybody but yourself. But I got bad news for you. We're all accountable to God. And we all will stand before Him and we all will give an account one day. The unbeliever will stand before God and have to give an account for his sin because he's refused the, the very blood that was shed for, for the, his sin. He's, he's refused to receive that free gift of eternal life and salvation. They'll have to answer for their sin. They will give an account for their sin. But you know what? As believers, we've got to give an account too. But our account will be for our faithfulness and our service. Believers are to protect their hearts and practice personal accountability to God for the sin that enters into our lives. We are personally accountable. I, I, you know, I can hear it now because I know how we as human beings are. In fact, we, we've been that way since the, the fall of man. Always looking for someone else to blame for our faults and failures. In fact, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God holds Adam accountable, what does he do? It was that woman you gave me. It, not, see, I know you want to blame me, God. I, I, know you, I know you think I'm the guilty woman. She's really. She's, she, she made me do it. Is that right? See, that's, that's the way we as human beings operate. But when we stand before God on our day of judgment as believers, we can't stand and point at, the, at somebody and say, well, they're, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's, it's Hollywood's fault. They're the ones who made those movies that I went to see. It's that, it's that artist's fault. They're, they're the ones who recorded that song that I used to listen to. It's, 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 it's the programmer's fault. They're the ones who put that on TV that I watched. Hmm. God, it's your fault. You're the one who put the, the ocean and the mountains on the same state. It's your fault. We are accountable to God for our heart. And if we're going to practice biblical community, we've got to be right with God before we can be right with each other. And that begins with practicing personal accountability. But there's a second thing. Community of believers, this community of, of oneness, this me to we benefits from the practice of corporate responsibility. Now, there is a wordy dirt if there ever was one. Corporate responsibility. Look, look at verse 13, will you? In, in, in verse 12, he's talking to the individual believer. You need to take care of your heart. But then look what he says in verse 13. But now encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
Now he, he goes from looking at the individual to looking at the body of Christ. He's talking about corporate responsibility. Here's the thing that we need to understand is that when we became a born-again believer and we were baptized into the body of Christ and, and we became one with each other, now we are responsible to each other. We are responsible and accountable to each other. What I do as an individual affects you as part of the body of Christ. What you do as an individual affects the rest of the body of Christ. I've heard believers say, well, I'm just going to tell you like it is. My personal walk with God is my own private business. Not according to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Not according to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to how Paul puts it. Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters... If a person talking about another believer is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. Am I my brother's keeper in the body of Christ? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We are. We are our brother's keeper. Now, here's what I mean by that. If my right leg decided it did not want to be accountable to the rest of the body, it was going to do what it wanted to do, and it was its own business. What kind of mess would I be in? If I tried to walk down these steps in the my right leg said, no, you know, I don't think I want to do it on those steps. You're going to have to pick me up off the floor. If I'm riding down the road and I'm using my right foot for the accelerator and a red light is, is coming up and my right foot says, I don't feel like stopping. Don't think I want to. I want to keep going. And I breeze through that intersection in a red light. One of two things is going to happen. Either Chris High's blue light is going to show up in my back, in my rearview mirror, or I'm going to hit somebody and kill somebody. You see, it does matter what any part of the body does, it affects the rest of the body. How many times have you heard someone say, when you've invited them to church or you've invited them to, to a, a, a Bible study or whatever it may be, how many times have you heard someone say this? How many? That church is full of hypocrites. Well, can I tell you something? So is Food Line. So is Walmart. So is the movie theater. So is the restaurant. Because on any given day, they're full of hypocrites. You know why? I shave with a hypocrite. And you brush your teeth with a hypocrite. And I ain't talking about your spouse. Don't you elbow that person beside you. I saw it. You can't hide. That's the good thing about being this tall. I can see what you're doing. Don't you elbow that person beside of you. We all sh share a mirror with a hypocrite. 
So hypocrites can't be the reason why the people don't come to church. You know what I you know what I've come to understand? What they're saying is I know some Christians that don't act like Christians. And so therefore I don't want to be a part of that kind of body. I know some right legs that don't act like they're part of the body. <laughs> and and if that's if that's the way it, what it means to be a part of that body, then I don't need to be a part of that body. What we do affects one another. Now listen, as believers, we are not each other's judge. Did you hear what I just said? Don't walk out of here wearing that that sash that says, I am now the judge of the church. That's not what I'm not saying that. We are not each other's judge, but you know what we are? Each other's encourager. According to... Hebrews chapter 13, according to Galatians chapter 6, we are each other's encourager. Sin lies and sin deceives and we often can't see the dangers that we're heading toward because we're blinded by our unconfessed sin, but that's where the brothers and sisters in Christ come in. They come alongside of me and they begin to show me that I'm walking in a, a dangerous direction and in love and encouragement, they begin to try to guide me back to where I need to be. Well, it's none of their business. Well, yes it is. What you do affects them. And so we are to encourage one another, show each other the dangers that we're walking toward, encourage one another toward repentance. In Galatians, Paul said that that was to be done in gentleness and in humility toward the believer who is walking in the wrong direction. We're not, we're not each other's, we're not supposed to be each other's uh, executioner. And, and can I tell you something? We are the worst at shooting our wounded. We are the worst at it. Because then when someone makes a mistake, we hold them against our standard and we say, well, I would never do that and I'm not, I, I, I would never, I've never stooped that low. And so then we start mistreating them. Paul says, listen, while you're encouraging someone else, you better watch your own heart or you're going to fall on the same trap. That's what Paul said. Paul said, while you're over here writing up your critique of somebody else's life, if you're not, if you're not careful, you're not watching where you're walking, you're going to fall in the same hole. We're not each other's judge, but we are each other's encourager. And our job is to, is to love one another so much that if we see one of our members of our body walking toward a danger, walking away from God, walking in a direction that causes destruction, walking in a place that can destroy their family, walking in a way that can destroy their testimony, walking in such a way that they're bringing shame to the name of Jesus, it is then becomes our responsibility to, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ and in love and in humility to come alongside of them and with that love and humility begin to encourage them into the right way. Have you ever said of something, boy, I'd like to jerk a knot in that person? Have you ever said that? I have, I'll be honest with you. I'd like to jerk a knot in that person right quick. 
But can I tell you something? That response never gets the right outcome. If I come and get up all in your face and I start fussing and complaining because you did this and you did that and you're not doing this and you're not doing that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to become defensive. And instead of being encouraged in the right way, more than likely you're going to be propelled even further in the wrong way. Our job is to love and encourage one another into the right path. That is that corporate responsibility. Over and over again, God has filled His Word with the description of His children as the body of Christ. And each part of the body depends on the function of all the other parts. And our picture of a body is is where we find that corporate responsibility to one another because my function depends on your function and your function depends on my function and the people on this side of the church, their function depends on the people on this side of the church functioning and, and vice versa. And, and the people at First Baptist, the body of Christ that, that assembles here, we depend on the function of the church down the street and the church down the street depends on the function of this body and we're, we're so intertwined together. My spiritual well-being and your spiritual well-being are intertwined with one another. And as we keep our heart, that personal accountability, as we keep our heart from being hardened by unconfessed sin, we're to serve as an encourager to our fellow believers for them to keep their heart unhardened by unconfessed sin. So real, authentic, biblical community. It begins with the practice of personal accountability. Tommy is accountable for Tommy. I can blame you if I want to, but guess what? God won't, God won't listen to it. You can blame me if you want to, but God ain't going to listen to it. You can blame each other if you want to, God ain't going to listen to it. Because I'm accountable for me and you're accountable for you. But then my job is when God begins to point out the sin in my own life that's creeped into my own life. My job is to repent and be restored. Real, authentic, biblical community benefits all of us when we practice corporate responsibility not being each other's judge but being each other's encourager so here's the way i want to close our time together we're going to get ready to sing here in just a moment i want to ask you a very personal question are you sir are you ma'am practicing personal accountability to God. He's holding you accountable whether you're practicing it or not. But are you, sir, are you, ma'am, practicing personal accountability? Are you keeping a short account with God? Are you making sure that as God reveals unconfessed sin, you're, you're, you're repenting of it at that moment? Because we can't encourage each other if we aren't right with God ourselves 
The second thing, are you allowing the rest of the body of Christ to practice corporate responsibility toward you? Or when someone comes to you and begins to encourage you in the right direction, do you get defensive and mad? And I'm just going to, I just, if they don't like the way I'm doing things, I'll just go somewhere else. Well, guess what? If they're practicing corporate responsibility, you're going to get tagged there too. Here's the problem. When, when our heart is the problem, no matter where we go, we take the problem with us. Right? So are you allowing others in the body of Christ in humility and in gentleness to hold you responsible for how you live? In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're seeing, and this altar is always open to you if you choose to come and to kneel. Always welcome here. It's a place where we can come and bow. But here's the beautiful thing. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit of God doesn't need an altar to hear your voice. He can hear you right where you are. And it may be that somehow God's tapped you on the shoulder today and said, Hey, there's some things in your life I've been trying to point out to you, but you're not, holding your, you're not letting me to hold you accountable for it. Today you need to be accountable. Today's a great day to confess that sin and be restored in your fellowship. Today's the day. We decide whether we want to be one or not. We get to choose. We can keep each other at arm's length. Or we can do life together. Jesus wants us to do life together. Father, I thank you. That your desire for us. And your design for us. As your followers. As, as the believers. As born again Christians, that your design for us is to live in intimate relationship with you. And Lord, I, I, your word is very clear that, that that involves us having to hold ourselves accountable to you. That Lord, we understand that our sin is our sin, that our disobedience is our disobedience. And we have to own it. And Lord, I pray that in those moments when the Holy Spirit of God that indwells every believer begins to uncover and reveal and shine the light of truth on those areas of our life where we're walking in disobedience, that Lord, in that very moment that we will hold ourselves accountable by running to the cross. And with a heart of repentance and humility, fall at the feet of the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to love one another so much that if we see our brother or sister in Christ moving in a direction that can create harm for them, for their family, for their testimony, that in humility and in love, with compassion, We will go to that individual to encourage them, not judge them. 
but encourage them in a way that is right and true. Lord, I pray that you would make us one. As you, Lord Jesus, and the Father are one, make us one with you. We pray this today in the most precious name that we know, the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to borrow your microphone, if I may. Uh, we're going to keep this one on, if that's okay, brother. Okay. Uh, thank you again for being here today. God bless you. It's so good to see you. Uh, don't forget, personnel team, we're going to get together uh, over in the fellowship building uh, in the uh, Young at Heart Connect room at 5 o'clock today. Uh, so please be there for that. That would be awesome. Now, last Sunday, we had the privilege, we've got Dr. Molina with us again today with Dr. Jose, and we had the privilege of hearing them pray in Spanish. Uh, we also have with us today a very special guest that works with JARS. He translates, uh, he's from Africa, and he, s- he translates scripture into those African languages. And just to show you that we are all one, okay, don't matter what language you speak. Brother, can I impose upon you to uh, pray and dismiss us with prayer? And uh, we, would, we would love it if you would pray in your native tongue. That would be awesome. Will you do that for me? Yeah. There you go. If you dismiss us in prayer. Yeah. God bless you. You know, hey. there are still many work for us to do as church. As pastors, as preachers, we're one, you know. So today, just a few days ago, in the jars, they have a celebration of more than 30 New Testament from different countries, not only different continents, not only Africa. But between those New Testament, there was the one Fadambo. That's my native, my mother tongues. Mm-hmm. So I am a pastor for years. Since 1990, God called me to be a pastor in the church. But I feel that there are people that nobody, not, nobody understands Spanish. I speak, I'm a Spanish speaker. So God touched my heart to have, to have this New Testament. It's printed already. We now, we need your prayer to take it to Africa. I live in Spain, a pastoral church in Spain. But to take it in Africa and so that those people can have the, their own Bible. So when we get to heaven, you know, there will be an amazing feast over there. Because some of them will run, come in and just maybe, Pastor, thank you for praying. Pray for this one. There are other more, you know that 7,000 languages in the world. Only two, I think 3,000 remain. Two, two, four, 700, right? Yeah. Pray for pray for those languages so they can have the word of God in their own mother tongue. Okay, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Okay, in, in my language. Okay, yeah. Pamet nashanshinganj. Was nashanshinganj much nashantud. So just sebo legem pesan tu gezesai. Sebo dono folosho hamim pa fabo lo tu vesh habedenchi. Sem da bodes paga. Gesa <laughs> The angels rejoice. 
because they understand Jesus too. Thank you. Thank you for, for the, yeah.